0: Welcome to Allies of Convenience, the international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ray, and this episode we are trying to live up to our name, uh, the international part anyway. As we said on previous episodes, uh, we're going to be looking at engaging more of the international communities. Of course, we are based in the UK and therefore very UK centric, but with our ETC coverage and our sometimes um, American coverage. We're going to be reaching out a bit further into the uh, European scenes and communities and some more of the uh, the American events as well because we really want to try and give you a, a, a good... Um, worldwide coverage of what's going on in 40k now especially uh, at this time it's a very interesting time with the faqs and games workshops seeming to be a lot more engaging with the competitive player base uh, across 40k but notably um, age of sigma the general's handbook they're you know definitely recognizing um, competitive organized or match play as they call it uh, a lot more And with the uh, rumours of an 8th edition coming sometime next year as well, um, I think it's going to be a very interesting time for competitive Warhammer 40,000 as a hobby and a pastime. So we're going to be looking at engaging as many international communities as possible um, at the high level, but also um, emerging communities. If if you're from a country that you don't really hear get mentioned at all um, when it comes to competitive 40K, hit us up on the Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash AO podcast or, or if you're a, a player that's looking to get involved in the competitive scene as well in your area uh, we've got a really interesting um, two-parter coming up in the future with a player uh, just like that actually that we spoke to a couple of months ago now and we're going to be speaking to him again uh, real soon we're going to be putting that out as a two-parter as you can see his progress uh, and and look at his experience getting involved with the competitive scene and hopefully that will be useful to some of you guys because of course we want more and more people getting involved with competitive 40k bringing your good vibes and your good energy to tournaments getting those numbers up and you know just having a great time with us uh, at events um so today uh, on the episode we're going to be looking at the atc uh, which is the american team championship um we sat down with um tony gripondo who's a member of team happy uh, the winners uh, they're the two-time winners now they won last year um And I was joined by Jesse Newton, our own Jesse, who was actually there attending his first event since our own event last year. Uh, So he's had a long, uh, long uh, layoff on Competitive 40K and we'll find out how he got on and talk to um, Tony about his experience, uh, what he feels like the state of 40K is at the moment and the different different formats that are out there at the moment in the States uh, from ITC, Nova, ATC had their own format as well and some of the draft FAQ questions all that good stuff so it's about an hour long we're looking to give you more regular content um, at these sort of easy to digest lengths rather than some of our three to five hour epics that we uh, put out previously uh, look out for some bite-sized etc. coverage as well. Uh, a lot of the guys are out there repping Team Wales, uh, and they're going to be recording stuff. You can see videos as well of their uh, tomfoolery, shenanigans, and drunken antics on the Facebook wall as well. I know they're already going up now. Uh, if you want to see what a bunch of manchildren in Greece. Uh, with access to never-ending beer and incredibly high temperatures uh, producers. So check that out, uh, facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. But without any further ado, uh, let's get into this recording uh, of myself and Jesse and Tony Grappano talking about the ATC. All right, tonight um, we are going to be looking at the ATC, the American Team Championship, and uh, I'm very happy to say uh, Alongside Aaron Jesse Newton, who was in attendance, uh, we are speaking to a member of the two-time champions, the retained reigning champions, Team Happy, uh, Tony Grapondo. Hello, sir. Welcome onto the podcast. Hey, guys.
1: How's it going?
0: All good. All good. Jesse, are you there? How are you doing? I am, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Um, So we're going to talk about the ATC. Uh, We are an international competitive podcast, uh, and it is our... uh, Aim to try and look at a lot more international stuff. We cover a lot of the UK stuff, a little bit of the like you know the the Grand Slam of, of, of American events, I'd say. Um, and I think the ATC uh, is certainly up there now. Um, you had is it for about fifty teams? Yeah, I think uh,
2: it's yeah, forty-four or forty-five this year. Yeah. It's pretty good uh, turnout. Yeah forty-nine registered, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is that right? Yeah. We have a lot of teams. There's a lot of guys there. Uh, yeah. So the
0: ATC started out as sort of like an answer to the ETC. Um, slightly different format, though, of course. Five-man teams. Um, and you don't use entirely the same uh, rules pack as the ETC. Uh, you don't use the ITC rule pack either, do you? I think it's an entirely bespoke rules pack. Um, so one of the things I really want to try and get out there for... The listeners who are, you know, unfamiliar with how it works, uh, and just as a comparison, because it's really interesting to know, in general, um, can you go through um, some of the important points in the rules pack uh, for us so that we know what flavor of forty k you guys were playing uh, at the ATC?
1: Sure, it's kind of a blend of ITC and they were using Games Workshop's new FAQs. And their own house brew FAQ. So it's kind of a, a whole mix of those. Missions were not too complicated. There's a primary, so either Emperor's Will kind of objective or endgame objectives. Also, kill point differential in every game, mm-hmm. and a progressive objectives in every game as well. So they try to put a little mix of everything in there. Um, in terms of the tournament itself, the format is very much. It was better this year than in the past, I thought. It was win-loss as a round, as a team, compared to battle points in the past.
0: Mm.
1: I believe that's how ETC plays it as well, as they do round wins, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. So they switched it to that format this year, which I thought was much more fair than a battle point tournament, where if you play an easy team for the first couple of rounds, you can get so far ahead that it's, it's hard to catch up to the leading team.
0: Yeah.
2: I actually believe that was uh, the case last year, Tony. Was you guys were so far ahead that nobody could catch up. Like we came in second place last year, and you think you guys had us by like seventy battle points.
1: Nice. You know, it's actually we were we weren't even leading going into day two. We weren't in first place and, until after the first game of day two. So yeah,
2: and you just blew it out. You just blew it out of the water. This year was uh was much closer to uh, etc than ever, and it it worked out really well. Now there's a
0: different um, method for pairings. Um this year, and I've heard a couple of people talk about it, and it sounded like a, a pretty interesting way of doing it. Um, do you want to talk us through how the pairings worked?
1: Sure. I, I liked it. I thought it was a very fair way to do the pairings. So each team puts out a defender simultaneously, and then it's matched against two other lists for their team. So you say you were the captain of the opposite team, you would put on a list, and so would I and I would put out two that you could choose to play against, and you would do the same. So once both
0: teams have picked who wants to
1: play against the list that were put out, you do the same thing again. thats I don't know if I explained that very well.
0: Yeah, so rather than just literally you put a defender out, I pick whichever list I want out of my team to go against you and smash you to smithereens with a big hard counter, I'm assuming. Right. Um, You have to put two forward, and then the defender picks the one that he feels he probably has the best chance against out of those two. So it seems to be a lot less hard cantery sort of, you know, 20 or whatever, the you know, 33-0 um, that you would have got before. Um, right, so you're much less vulnerable as a defender. Mm. Uh, does mm-hmm. the defender still get to pick um, the board as well, or how does that yeah. work? Yeah, defender still picks the board. Okay, so the defender's not you're not thrown under the bus as much as you would have been before, basically.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's once you've got two hard counters on the opposite team, you're not going to get a bad matchup if you want to play it that way. What I found <laughs> was more effective on sometimes is that they put one of their hard lists out against our defender. It's just take that list. If it sets the rest of the team up for better matchups. Hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, That was an important thing. I don't know if you felt it uh, this way, Tony, but I felt, uh, this format benefits, uh, all-around More, Frankly, it benefits more like a GT-style lists overall than picking the completely off-the-wall random defender or the completely off-the-wall random like one-direction, one-focus attacker. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely I, agree with
0: that. That's, that's, that's something there. that you see a, a lot in uh, ETC as well, like crazy outlying lists that would never work in a solo tournament just because mm-hmm. they're so yeah. off-the-wall and, and sometimes so tailored to a very specific job or dealing with a very specific matchup. Um, And looking through a lot of lists at the ATC, it seems like they were, you know, a lot more, a lot more rounded.
1: With eight people on the team in ETC, the pairings go very differently, I'm sure. Mm. So I don't know what the difference would be with that respect. It's easier to isolate a bad matchup if you've got eight, maybe. It's hard to avoid the one list you really don't want to play against if there's two or three, maybe, in ETC format. So, we brought very balanced lists. We didn't really bring any list that you wouldn't bring to a normal GT. And my strategy has always been for this tournament: just bring five good players with their armies are used to playing. I don't like any gimmicks of I don't know bringing all horde or all flyers or something like that. I think it's too much. It's <laughs> too much of a risk when people aren't playing lists they're used to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this year, for instance, we we kept in the. Uh, I guess you would say the etc pitfall, and uh, by by the end of day two, we were really regretting it as our team um, because you know there was just there was just some things. That, for instance, our towel player ended up having way more uh, matchups that um, wasn't wonderful stuff like that. So uh, we kind of re- we regretted taking such focus lists.
1: Right, and you know you might be getting a bad matchup, but. If you go to a GT, you're going to expect to get at least one or two bad matchups, no matter what list mm-hmm. you're So it's it's better to realize that you can't avoid the bad matchups, in my opinion, and just accept it when they come.
0: Well, one of the uh, one of the, the, the big um, roles of uh, the defender in the in the ETC is, of course, to just you know try and scrape together a few points. If if they're if they're if they're facing a 20-0 matchup, if they can scrape you know two three points, then that can be all the make all the difference in terms of the swing. Um, I agree, but obviously in <laughs> this it seems it seems to be a lot more um, yeah. a lot more rounded
2: out. Um, uh, to a point, I feel like the defenders still you know if you could scrape you know points out of it because at the end of the day they still use the sliding scale like e, uh, e, um, ETC did. Mm-hmm. So if you could scrape points out of the game and you know maybe cut that loss down, then, you know, you turn that 14 point when you had a table down into the deciding factor for your team.
1: I agree. And that's why I like the change this year is it put more strategy on a team level. Where in the Mm -hmm. past, getting three points doesn't help us win the tournaments. So swing for the fences and try to get a 20 if you get lucky. But now it's actually okay. Well, if we need 55 points to win the round as a team, it's better for me to get five or six and hope that a couple of other guys can get big wins. Yeah. Risked it all. I got a 10% chance for mm-hmm. 20 points, but I ended up with zero. It really yeah. hurts the team to get any zeros.
2: Yeah, it, it felt uh, it was much more, that is exactly, it was much more team-oriented versus can we get three guys to table and two guys to maybe not get tabled and see how we do overall. <laughs> yeah, it, seem,
0: it seems very it, it, a lot more um, analog rather than the binary of I'm either tabling you, or I'm trying to not get tabled. Um, yep. It seemed like, from what I, the, the coverage that I was reading and the discussions I've, I've heard, that it seemed a lot more um, like you were playing your way out of out of a situation, rather than just desperately trying to survive um, getting getting tabled, turn three. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: and
1: that's I also like the missions. I think the missions helped with that aspect, as they were very fair, and it was hard to get twenty point full twenty points out of those missions. If you play yeah. against someone who's playing smart, even if you're going to almost end up tabling them, if they're getting progressive points and picking up points where they can, it's
0: really hard to get full points in those missions. I, I did quite like how the missions were put together. I really am a big fan of the ETC. I know you guys in the States aren't huge on Maelstrom, but I do quite like the modified Maelstrom that the ETC use. Mm-hmm. And it was great to see them using the um, kill point differential as well, because it does make a huge difference. Um, to, uh, you know what what is viable, and it seems to be that with those three different um, uh, missions, I guess uh, primary, secondary, tertiary, whatever you want to call them, three different uh, footings on which you can compete in. Um, rather than having like completely hopeless matchups, you can always just play for that third of the of the game, that mm-hmm. third of the objective, and try and get your points there. And like you said, go for that sliding scale and. Really reduce, really reduce what you, you know, re- reduce the the number of points you're giving up, or, or that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it seemed uh, very, very much more interesting than in previous years, and I and I definitely liked liked it from from afar, anyway. Right,
1: I agree.
2: I agree with that.
0: So let's have a look at your team, uh, as you, as we said, team happy. Uh, you are two tied, the second ever. Um, two-time champions, retained champions. Um, uh, so, of course, you're on there, Tony. Uh, Aaron Taylor, Aaron A. Leong, uh, Justin Curtis, and Tim Gorham. What were you guys running?
1: So, I ran uh, Eldar and Tau. So, it was... And what were a... the restrictions,
0: sorry, uh, in terms of the repetition, uh, use, um, sources, all that stuff?
1: Right. So, you, we had three detachments each. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed. You no, know, you can't duplicate any factions across the team. The only caveat was that they let two players take knights. I guess you could take a renegade knight and knights. Our team didn't have any knights, so we didn't really worry about that too much. So I ran Eldar and Tau with a riptide wing and an aspect host of spiders, of course. <laughs> um, Aaron Towler ran a war convocation. Justin Curtis was playing demons. Tim had a guard marine list with uh, renegade, not renegades, with artillery, a bunch of thud guns, and uh, Iron Hands small Death Star with the Gorgons Chain guy, and Aaron Elyon was running his Dark Angels and Space Wolves Death Star.
0: Okay. And, and you were running the um, you were running the, the draft FAQs as well, so you're running nerfed um, Warp Spiders, well anyway, in the ITC as well, right? Right, they're nerfed in ITC, so I
1: jump once per turn instead yeah. of multiple times. I still think they're amazing, but as long as you've got terrain to hide behind, they're still fine.
0: And what was the what was the bo- what were the boards like uh, in terms of terrain? Uh, was there a they do a pretty variety? good job with terrain.
1: I think they do a pretty good job with, and you know, they to increase the strategy, they have some boards that are light, and then two or three that are heavy mm-hmm. on terrain. So I think it's a good mix of terrain.
0: So again, you're able to pick something which is favorable for your, for your matchup as a defender again.
1: Um... Right, and also not even just favorable for the defender. If it's if there's a table that's bad for a different player, you might just want to take that as a defender mm. so your teammate doesn't have to play on that board later. Jump on the grenade, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how our, our team performed. I think everybody went in with a mindset of you're going to have to be a team player and you're going to get a bad matchup eventually. I think as long as you don't have too much pride and have some guy who never wants to take a bad matchup, then it helps your pairings a lot if everyone's willing to at least be put out as a defender once if they have to or take the list that nobody else wants to play.
0: It did seem like you yeah, you, you have a, a number of lists in there. That I mean, I don't know the specifics of, of what each list would be. If we can go through that, that would be great as well. Um, but yeah, they all seem on face value Lists that we would see in single competition as well. I mean, you know the uh, the the Dark Angel Space Wolf Star Demons, fantastic. Um, can't go wrong with spiders and uh, Riptide Wing as well. That's uh, right. Uh, so what 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 flavor of Demons was Justin running? So he runs a uh, Screamer Star with
1: I don't know how many, maybe six Exalted Flamers in there with that okay. new Demon Detachment, the uh, Warp Flame Host. Yeah. So, he's got a big screamer start with those guys and Heralds and Fateweaver. Weaver. Of course. And the rest of it is just a couple squads of Horrors and Void Shield Generator. Most of the points are in that unit and Fate Weaver. Hmm. So, it's good. It's, it's a nasty list. And being able to summon as easily as they can, and now that they've got the shooting in the form of the Flamers, it's a really, really good list. And he's a very, very good demon player. So. I like what he's what he's done with that, and I believe he's playing in ETC singles with this week or next week with that list as well. Hmm. Him and Aaron Lee are both going with Team America, so I'm curious to see how he does there with that list. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what he'll be playing in ETC. He's playing something else because Nick Nanavati is playing demons for Team America. He's got his dick worms out for America.
2: That's right. That's right. Dick worms out for Harambe. Because um, hopefully he doesn't get uh, he doesn't get turned one table like he did against <laughs> Jeff Robinson. <laughs> that was so
0: funny to hear about. What did he do? I, think, I heard like, he deplo- deployed three units and just
2: got tabled. Yeah, he and... deployed three units, and I'm pretty sure he uh, he underestimated the um, ignore line of sight or ignore cover, as ITC has ruled it. Uh, psychic power, and it ended up uh, getting his ship pushed in because the the knight just hammered two units out of line of sight and uh, if I'm not mistaken uh, the infiltrators killed a third unit
0: <laughs> that's hilarious uh, what was uh, Aaron Tala's list if you've got a bit more detail on it
1: so he had the war convocation he runs it with well in this turn he was running it with a Colexus assassin
0: mm-hmm.
1: and blood angels for uh couple objective secured squads because the marines were taken so hmm. so he did that so a couple of rhinos and a couple squads troops just to get a little bit of objective secured in the list um and it's good it's it's a really nasty list and he's had a lot of practice with it so he knows all the tricks it's one of those lists i haven't had the time to read the codex yet so every time i play against it i'm asking a million questions of what everything does
0: well, as Jesse mentioned to me earlier today when we were talking about it, it's a it's a toolbox list. Um, so many so many answers, to so many different problems. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And it, it rewards a
1: player who really knows how to use all those tools. So
2: yeah. It's uh, it's it's definitely one of the stronger lists out there. It's not overpowered at any one thing, but it can it can play any list. So an event right. like this, uh, it's easily one of the most powerful lists you could bring. Right. Right.
0: The uh, the Garden Marines list from Tim Gorham's kind of interesting to me as well. Is it literally just driving a, an Iron Hands bike Death Star up the middle of the table and then shooting um, barrage over the top of it into pretty
1: much pretty much it's a watered down Death Star. There's not much to the Death Star. Okay. He had uh, three squads of the uh, quad launchers, the Thug Guns. Mm-hmm. He had two units of the uh, Marine quad launchers. Okay. And uh, a Thunderfire Cannon. So it's a lot of artillery. Mm. Um, so it's good because you've got the hard assault unit in the middle that if you don't have tools to kill it, it's going to ruin your day. And then all the barrage. And they were playing with the Games Workshop FAQ, so you hit all levels with the barrage oh, wow. as opposed to, to ITC where they only hit the top level. So that was a nice trick with that list. So if you get him on a, on a ruin board or a board with any kind of levels, he's hitting all the levels with all of those barrages. Mm-hmm. so there's really okay. nowhere to hide in that a list. a
0: lot of barrages as well. Right, right. Um, did he, so he, has, did he, well. did he have any librarians in that defenders. list at all, or was it just... Um, oh, say that again? Did he have any librarians in that list as well? Yeah, he had a conclave in the list yeah. as well. Just making sure. I don't like to assume. <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, so it was it was a good list, for sure.
2: Mm.
1: <clears throat> um, And he was kind of our defender this year more than last year and that his list has answers for stuff that nobody else really wants to play against and if he can get points out of games even if it's a bad matchup so he was usually him or Justin with the Demons were the ones we'd throw out first or we'd have to jump on the grenades more than the rest of us mm. so they both did a great job of taking the bad matchups and playing through it and getting points out of them
0: uh, so I, I don't want to go through obviously all of your matches because I, I know you guys have to play a lot over the weekend um right but what what were some of the the most troubling lists that you saw come up were there any lists that you saw that were like kind of surprises to you Uh, anything clever and new to your eyes
1: so one that was tricky it was a renegade artillery list with necron sentry pylons oh god and none of us Really new. None of us had played against those Sentry pylons before, so we didn't really know what they do. So Tim had to play against that. people that, that, that use list.
0: them. Don't really know what they do either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still terribly. So
1: we're all kind of like we don't know what this list does. So Tim ended up playing against that and was
0: not happy about having all oh, that
1: Strength 10 attacking his Death Star. But he uh, he told me he would have had a tie on turn five, and it got worse after that, and it went to turn seven. So that was the one list that really kind of surprised us, um, and that was against Mark Parker. And his team was G4C. So we still ended up getting a big win against the team, but that was a tough game for Tim. Um, We played against the team Quality Control. So that's one of the best teams as well from the East Coast. That's uh, Kirk Claus and Sean Naden and Andrew Gagneau's team. And that was a tough matchup. I think we did a really good job with our pairings against them. And... The team performed, so they're really I think we ended up beating them seventy-five to twenty-five, some solid win like that. And in that round, Justin had the bad round with his demons against Andrew Ganius Tao. He think that was a, a tough matchup for him. So I think he was our only loss maybe, him and Tim, because Tim had to play against Eldar with three warp hunters, which is another again, strength ten D against mm-hmm. Star. So that's kind of the was the pattern of those guys just being tough and taking those matchups with the rest of the team was winning so and the finals was a very close match against team zero comp so the frontline gaming guys from the west coast and it was really you know we were in trouble it was it was close we only won uh, one point in the round so Aaron Towler saved our saved our bacon in that game he got a full 20 point win so that was what put us over the edge and made sure we had the repeat win so those guys are solid players I played against uh, McCool, Joe McCool with Orcs in the last game and it surprised me how good they are with that discounted Stampa when it only costs how many points it is and they get all the rest of their units still it makes the Orcs
0: somewhat competitive at least Yeah, I mean it, they definitely need something um, and the FAQ right. is not it either um, right at the the discounted stomper, you still need to. I mean, the thing that people gloss over a lot as well is you still need to pay the points for the for the upgrades for it as well. You can't you can't take it as it is. Um, but it's it's definitely a lot more competitively priced, um, and it helps them out a lot. Um, because right, it just it surprised uh, me
1: because if that's if you had told me before the weekend that my only loss would be against orcs, I would have said that's crazy. <laughs> so so it was good. And he's a solid player, but. The team was luckily able to squeak out a win.
2: Did you guys end up doing a war convocation, a war convocation game?
1: No. I thought it could happen, but Joff didn't want to play that game. So it was his choice. Uh He didn't want to take the mirror match. so Which is funny because those guys, Joff and Aaron actually played at the Las Vegas Open early this year, and Aaron beat him. So I'm sure that that was on his mind.
2: Oh, he was in his head.
0: He was in his head, right. So that helped the pairings as well. Abducting, abducting. Um It seems that Forge World was really very present uh, uh, at the at the event. Um, most of the most of the matchups you've you've spoken about either uh, involving Forge World heavily on your side or on the opponents. Um, yeah, yeah. There's quite a bit of Forge World, and with ITC allowing all these experimental
1: units as well, it opens up all that stuff. I th- I'm Pretty favorable towards Forge World. I think it's a good addition. And now that the game has gone so open in terms of formations and detachments, it's I see no reason not to include Forge World.
2: Hmm. Did uh, Did you play against Team Texas at all? No, we didn't play them this year. We played against them last year, yeah. but not this year. Yeah, I knew you played them last year. What sure you played them this year? Well, this year, Nick Rose, Darkwind, uh, he was running Elysian Drop Troops with the <laughs> Death from the Skies. <laughs> And he was, like, the first one out. He challenged me to a game, and I'm like, yo, I got this in round 4 Like, 2 like, I'll play with my knights. And for whatever reason, they didn't, want to let me, they didn't want to let me jump on a bullet, and he ended up playing our Wolfstar player, who was so tilted, he was standing on his head at the end of the game, because he didn't get to do anything except occasionally roll saves. <laughs> at which point he's rolling, like, you know, two-plus re-rollable saves. So he wasn't really doing anything, but he didn't. he was just like, and, and Nick was like, yeah, dude, it's just a total, like, non... Like a spoiler non, uh, list, basically. Yeah, he's just like, you know, it's a total non engaged list, and, uh, but it was an Elysian Drop Troops army that made it possible. Like, uh, you know, some arm, some teams were running Flyer Heavies, but his was really good with, like, uh, a ton of Vendettas and a ton of Vultures.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a scary list, especially if you've got units that can actually be killed by the Flyers. But
2: if mm. you've got a Death
1: Star, you probably don't care as much.
2: Uh, well, I, so I got done my game really early because I got tabled by John Willingham, <laughs> and uh, we—I was watching it, and it—it it was driving. Uh, it was driving Phil, the guy we had playing it, nuts at the one point because he had uh three, his his uh, damn, his vendettas were hitting every shot on an invisible star for like two turns in a row. <laughs> he was just like, oh. Oh, oh, you're an asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. We'll see if tournaments continue to allow it. I, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to play with it much yet, so I don't really know the full impact it will have. But they've got some good tricks. When you start getting the flyer wings and the
0: flyer detachments,
1: it's, it's, not, it's not bad.
0: Yeah, um, I, I saw a, a good few of those. Those lists, the the, the all flyers taking advantage of the uh, different skies lists there that appeared, and it's just interesting to see more variety, more variation. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they they probably wouldn't hold up in a in a solo a solo format, uh, singles format. But it, it was definitely cool to see just people trying out new shit and taking new shit um, as and as and when it comes out and is released and is added to the game. Um, and like you said, uh, as it stands now, how the game's put together, um, just no one wants to go back to 60% of the field running the exact same grey knights list. And we're definitely not there at the moment. There's so many viable things out there. Um, right. It just makes the meta really interesting and exciting. And sure, it can get kind of sort of rock paper scissors, I guess, um, in singles. But that's the joy of uh, of the team tournament. You know, you you go up against a you, you know, you draw a shitty matchup, and that's not the end of your your weekend. You know, you're still there fighting alongside your other four brothers, um, and hoping that they pull through, and uh, and you get a team win, uh, even if you do get uh, curb stomped in your in your pairing, um, which makes it cool, and you know, right? That, that kind of mitigates that that um, bracket luck that that can. Uh, Stop certain lists from, you know, viably winning six, seven round tournaments.
1: Right, I agree. I agree. And it's very rewarding to win as a team as well. Because there's so much more preparation and planning that has to go into making a team event successful.
0: So how much um, how much pride was there sort of representing teams? I mean, because of course, as a as a as a Brit, sort of viewing from afar, it seems that. Uh, maybe three or four years ago, the different coasts uh, were very much split in terms of formats of what they played. You know, famously, you know, one side hardly used Forge World at all and the other side was, you know, embracing Forge World with open arms. Um, you had completely different sort of metas going on and different coasts. And, play- and now it, it seems that um, there's a lot more regular... Um, competitive play that sees sort of everyone meeting up uh, and going head to head so how, how much sort of a pride was there in terms of representing your gaming group your area your region at this event um, or there's just- definitely
1: that's definitely a big part of it and that was one of the reasons I was so happy to repeat our win this year is that last year the team from the west coast and most of the east coast teams weren't even there so you know you get people saying oh well the best teams weren't there so it doesn't really count but it's, it's a big part of it. And our team is from Chicago. Yeah. So we've got a big, strong Midwest kind of team. So it's nice to be up there in two years in a row winning against some of the other best teams in the country. And we all kind of have... I think that ITC has really spread that style of play across yeah. the whole country, which I think is a good thing. I think it's good to have a uniform and people kind of understand what they're getting into when they go to these GTs. Very much agree with that. Where there's still the outliers or Nova's going to do their own thing in DC and Adepticon's... Mm-hmm probably can do their own thing in Chicago. But it's nice to have a kind of general agreed formats. It makes it a lot easier to travel and play in different events without I, having to do so much preparation to learn a new format.
2: And as far as, like, coast representing goes, and there was still the, uh, you know, the good old-fashioned beast coast and all that, the problem is that was not Avadi's team. It was not Avadi, Werner Born, uh, Tony Kopak. They ended up dropping after round four because uh, they they ended up having a, like two tough losses and it kind of knocked them out. And they were like, you know what, we'll go, we'll yeah, just do our was really was long drive now. Um, so like in theory, it was there. It just didn't do so good. And the <laughs> West Coast totally, you know, came in second place in the Midwest. Uh, basically, East Coast had a – well, West Coast actually you – know, it's kind of weird. Like, uh, So the, the second and third place teams was quality control and – uh, thank you very much, which is Eric Hoger's team. Um, so there were two East Coast teams coming in second and third after the Midwest. But, you know, it was it was there originally, and then it dropped off with uh, poor showings.
1: Right. I'm just happy we've established Chicago as a major player <laughs> in all of this.
2: <laughs> the you're you're, all you're, all yeah. all of this you're not star. really a major player. Chicago's just been... Ex- Chicago has been accepted as Beast Coast because of uh, Allen. Oh man, we not. Yeah, all the nah, now all the East Coasters claimed you a long time ago. I refuse that claim. Um, Chicago was annexed. I hate to break it to you.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's a West Coast perspective of the United <laughs> States. Is anything <laughs> east of the Rocky Mountains is East Coast?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> They're forging we we on basically on their take own, the then. Mississippi East. That's right. That's right. But. Yeah, it's, it's fun, it's a friendly rivalry which adds a lot of excitement to these team events especially
0: It's, it's quite funny as well because um, when we talk about regional rivalries in, in our country um, we're talking about geographical distances as well, which are, probably, which are probably less than some of the distances I'm sure some, some guys on the same team have to drive to get to each other uh, uh,
2: Yeah, that's yeah, very fair. true
0: you know, it takes from London to, to Birmingham, probably takes an hour and a half drive. And that's like one town to the next town in, in a lot of American counties. So, uh, Right. yeah, it's a, it's a very, very different situation over here.
1: Yeah, Aaron Elyung <laughs> is three hours away from me, but he's still in the Midwest.
0: Yeah, you're, you're basically the same, right? Us. That, that's, I mean, I can drive to a different country in three hours. So uh, <laughs> puts that in perspective for you.
2: Yeah, for instance, when I was over there, when I was coming over, I was going to drive from, what was it, Hollyhead or wherever the ferry was, up to Warrington, and everybody was like, you're insane, it's 100 miles, and I'm like, that's nothing, I do that for like a
0: weekly game. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, that's your games night drive, exactly. Yeah, people commute that far here. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we're we're quite averse to traveling over here compared to you guys. I mean, when you say that that, um, uh, Nick and his guys did the drive back, sort of how long are we
2: talking? Uh, Well, to put it in perspective for me, uh, I had to drive three hours to D.C. to meet up with the guys I was carpooling with. And we took us nine hours of 15 minutes from D.C. That is with bathroom break and one short, like we, we hit a fast food place, one short food break. Uh, but it took us nine hours and fifteen minutes to drive there, mm. so I ended up, I ended up in the car myself personally for just over twelve hours. Um, that was going down there, and then that was also leaving day uh, or Sunday after the event, which was a terrible mistake. Except Sunday after the event took me an additional like almost two and a half hours to get home because I got stuck in traffic for the uh, Democratic National Convention, which was in Philly, and that was mm. uh, that was a total play mistake on my part.
1: Yeah, it's similar for us. It's three hours or so to Indianapolis to pick up Aaron, and then another seven hours from there the rest of the way down to Tennessee. So right, about, right around 10 or 11 hours
2: total. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not fun.
0: It's and not I, fun. And I guess you guys can't, can't really fly. Not
2: really, but... No, you can. Um, actually, two-thirds are oh, – I was the only person on my team not to – no, yeah, me and one other guy on our team didn't fly. Everybody else flew, and next year I will fly. Yeah, uh, also, the,
1: the drive there is fun because everyone's talking strategy and excited and happy to be on a road trip. The yeah. drive back is not fun.
2: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs>
1: the it. It's miserable. Everyone's tired and just wants to be home.
2: Yes, yeah. so you're fighting to stay awake so that you know the guys are staying awake, stuff like that. Uh, the drive down was wonderful. Um, I mean, I did the drive down on virtually no sleep because I uh, went out to see Star Trek right before, and then I had to paint some models. and I had to pack. To leave at four thirty in the morning to get to DC just to avoid rush hour traffic, Um, because then that three hour trip turns into like a six and a half hour trip. Because going to DC is a vortex of hell. Don't ever do it if you're from the Northeast Um, during rush hour. So, but driving down there, it was it was exactly that. It was wonderful. You know, we we all we were on two separate teams, but you know we're all friends and we talked strategies, we talked lists, we talked um, big FAQs that like uh, were finalized things like that um missions that's wonderful driving back was one guy zonked out in the car the other guy trying not to sleep to keep the driver awake and then shuffling it was it was terrible So actually let me
0: let me ask you about that how did the uh the faqs work out for you um in terms of what you guys were using um from the draft faqs and from the itc faqs and and any sort of did you have any any problems? I don't yeah, it was
1: it was pretty confusing the way they mm, compiled. Just that. They yep. good job. Yep. I'm happy they used the game's Workshop FAQs, but it was a pretty confusing document they had for us. So, they just threw the FAQ- in the
2: go ahead, gamestop, go ahead. GameStop right. stuff
1: on top of the ITC stuff, and there were some contradictions, mm. and we weren't sure which ones took precedence, but.
2: They Uh, also, yeah. So, um, we, we had some, some particular issues with, uh, it was just that, you know, it was ATC had, so the way it worked was it was ITC was the base, like FAQ system. It was the base rule system. And then GW FAQs overruled ITC. Then ATC trumped everything. So there was, there was actually points where ITC ruled something GW overruled it. ATC actually ruled a, a, a third way that was kind of like in, in the middle.
0: And did, how was the judging?
2: Uh, the judging was actually pretty good. They um, yeah, did a good job. But in my the, and then on top of that with the GW FAQs, they didn't use the whole GW FAQs. Mm. Well, they, they that makes sense. They used bits and pieces. of it's complete nonsense anyway. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like for instance, uh, stomping out of combat, mm. you couldn't do that even though the imperial knight faq specifically says you could however the ion shields for the imperial knights i could call them on the front for barrage and i would get them even though they would hit the sides right so
1: it's just confusing where it's okay this takes precedence game workshop takes precedence over itc Mm -hmm. except when it doesn't
2: so (laughs) yeah so there there was a bunch uh, of stuff yeah There there was a bunch of little things otherwise it was it was decent um I, I mean, I, overall, I liked it. Uh, some of the things I was not expecting was uh, was actually ITC-based FAQs, like how much, uh, for instance, in this at this event, I thought Imperial Knights were really, really bad, like to the point where I was playing my Imperial Knight list, and the whole time I was like, man, I wish I brought Adlands. I don't get any of the good Imperial Knights, but, you know, they're survivable, and the way you have to use them, but I'm going in and kill points are essentially a third of every mission, and I'm dropping 12 kill points in and Imperial Knights, which, funny enough, aren't that hard to get anymore, because right. each uh, each one was you got two kill points for every three whole points, plus one kill point for destroying it. So, if got I brought a kill point denial list
1: that wasn't a kill point denial list. <laughs> right, it's a kill point denial list if they don't do anything. But if they've got tools to kill any knights, then you'll be in trouble.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're you're going you're going to lose one to two knights. Just because, like, in my particular list, I brought four knights, so they were, they were, they were obsec, but they were also the backbone of my army, so I needed them to actually do all the bullying. So it was like, I was basically going in every game, like, okay, I'm giving you six kill points, hopefully I'm getting at least six back. And, you know, I didn't always, I actually lost kill points in a couple different games because of that. Now, I, I ended up winning most of my games, I only actually lost the one game, but. Uh, it was still it was just like, you know, I'm basically giving up kill points. I wasn't able to twenty o because of it in a lot of aspects.
1: Right. Well, especially with the kill point differential. If you win by yeah. one or two, it's just not enough to get you enough points. Mm-hmm. So it's good or bad. I'd I like it. I prefer it to be differential on kill points rather than, you know, it's a close game. You lose by one kill point, and all of a sudden that's half the score. Did
0: they still have kill point? missions as primary at any point or was it only kill point differential and then they had the the, the primary mission was uh, some some form of objective based end game so there's
1: three separate missions yeah. and one of them
0: had kill points as a primary okay. so if you win by one winner take all you win you get the, all your points and then what happened in terms of kill point differential were they still running kill point differential in that as well not in that game okay. no so what did they end up running in that in that mission
1: they hit a center of the board progressive objective, if you controlled yes. it at the beginning of your turn, you'd score four points. Yeah. And five end of the game objectives worth five points. Okay. And those all all those objectives capped at ten points total. So thirty points from the primary objectives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then plus um what the the were they doing warlord? Linebreaker and yeah, that sort of standard stuff. Standard well. first blood and warlord yeah. and linebreaker. So thirty-three total, right? That you could get okay. All right.
1: <clears throat> But then you compare your score to your opponent's score. And then you look at so if I scored a twenty-five and he scored a fifteen, I would win by ten. And then we've got to take that to
0: the other sheet to see how many round points that scores for the team. Then mm. you convert that into a 15 five or whatever it would be uh, exactly yeah. yeah 20 point maximum yeah oh, okay it sounds it sounds more complicated than i'm sure it actually was in practice uh, yeah,
2: yeah um if you can do etc <laughs> yeah if you can do etc you can do it no questions asked it's it's a very simple sliding scale it sounds complicated because there's a lot of movement parts but uh, honestly, I was scoring games out faster mm. than I was last year using their previous system, figuring out battle points and wins and then factoring all that. It was just bam, 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 bam. Okay, I'm up by five. Five gets me this. All right, done.
1: Right. And then your team
0: scores some to 100 at the end, which was nice. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like um, when we ran our first um, AOC GT, and I think by the third round I'd worked out, what the, how to translate all the different uh, different scores into an actual final score as well. So I suppose as you go along you get more used to it and it's easy to do on the fly which is of course really important as you go along um, uh, when you need to know maybe I need to push get some more points uh, you know on that table you know yep. we hit so you get an idea of where you are in terms of a round score. <clears throat> what did you need for a, for a win? In terms of round scores,
1: fifty-five
0: oh. points. Yeah. Yep, fifty-five.
1: Okay. Anything from, I guess forty-four then to
0: fifty-five was a tie. I mean, in between there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, and did you have? And now, obviously, in etc, they have uh, they have team captains uh, now. Um, did you have anything like that, or like sort of like a, a sixth member? Sort of checking what was going on on the tables and that sort of thing, or is it just communicating with each other as you went along?
1: We can we can talk about how many points we have. It's uh, that's fine. I don't think there's really enough. It's just not the right format to bring an extra person to come and hang out and do that all weekend. Mm. It's just not the same thing as ETC where that's really feasible, in I my opinion. Especially yeah.
0: with only five players as well. It's not as big a task to, to keep up to date with what's going on in all the different tables as well as it would it, be with seven other tables.
2: To be right. honest, it, it was a thing. Uh, it was a thing four years ago. I think they actually stopped doing it three years ago down there. Um, they, they still, you know, it's still kind of, they, I don't even think it was covered, but I believe it's still like kind of that, uh, unspoken rule. Like, you know, I can't tell you what to do in your game, but yeah, as far as communication goes, it's just open communication the whole time. Nobody really complained or anything like that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're just talking
1: about the scores and not about the game, then everything's, everything's okay with that. Yeah. well, they used to, yeah, you're right. A few years ago, they let the captain join in the games. Of all the other players, yeah. oh, yeah, like, all, so i don't think coach basically.
2: Yeah, it was it was a coach. Uh, you were able to bring a coach, but when they did do that, you there were you were not allowed to communicate. You basically had to communicate everything with your your coach. Now you could talk to your coach, have your coach go talk to them, stuff like that. But and it was that was uh that was heavier. There was more enforcement at that point. But even then, you know, it was kind of. It's, it's kind of not, not the vibe quite, you
0: want, is it? Either as well, you know, like anything, yeah. you have to be more um, strict on, and, and uh, like you said, in, in, enforcing more. Um, it kind of mm-hmm. kills the vibe. What was the What was the vibe like in terms of the weekend? Um, like amongst uh, the players, what was it like? Just
2: I didn't hear any complaints from hmm. really anybody. Uh, as far as I know, people had. Uh, just all-around good times. I enjoyed I myself. I Honestly, I didn't feel like going. Um, I haven't actually played 40K since uh, the Allies of Convenience tournament. So I've just been out of it for so long. I was like, at the end of it, I was like, man, I don't even feel like going. But I went down there and I had a good time. Um, it's fun. And those know, guys
1: do a really good job running it. They really just want to run a good event and have everybody enjoy it. So it's... I don't think they're huge. That's that's really good to hear,
0: man. Because it's uh, from from what I've heard, it is a super super competitive event, and you know I've never been to the ETC, but I'm well aware you get a lot of countries where their teams are their teams are just dicks.
2: Yeah, but you know it basically it breaks down like even ETC does. Uh, uh, At the end of the day, you have like. 99% 99% of the teams that are that are down there that are, are the competitive teams that are going to do well, we all know each other, we're all friends. Mm, you know It's right. just like, it's just like if you go over to ETC, you know you hang out with Wales, you hang out with you know uh, England, Sweden for, for the Americans it is. You know it's, a, it's the exact same thing. It's like even though they're competitive, like you know if we go to a table and we play team Happy, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm friends with Aaron. I'm friends with everybody. Like, mm. you know, I'll play my game, and then it is what it is. After that, you were, know? There any, like, were
0: there any were any new faces there that were like um, surprise um, packages? Uh, you know, that finished finished quite high up that you maybe hadn't seen, or is it generally sort of the same faces from all different regions just converging in one sort of in the same way you'd expect for maybe an LVO or a BAO? Um,
1: um, hard to say there's some new faces. We didn't we played against a few established teams that we kind of knew about and knew they were gonna be good. Jessica, you guys play against any teams that were
2: not that were like oh my god, I mean we've, we saw teams we see there all the time. Yeah. Um, you know and they're, they're usually like uh, they're not necessarily like you know first second or third teams, but they're always they're always up there like uh, late in the tournament, general staff, borderland games, their groups. Um, and we were playing, in we, the we, yeah. go ahead. I just, uh,
1: but like as far as, the, in the yeah, sorry, go
2: ahead. But at the end of the day, like, no, the end of the day, it was the teams that I was expecting to do well, were the, were the same teams we were all friends with. And, you know, there was nothing really surprising. I, I expected zero comp to do well. I expected team Texas to do well. I was actually more surprised that not a Body's team didn't do as do that. Well, um, you know, I, frankly, I expected Tony, Ninevati, uh, um Werner, and they had uh, one guy, Luke, who's really good. I expected them to do really well, but they had some bad breaks. Um, and pairings this year was, uh, you know, it, it, w- it was definitely different because, you know, I know their list, they went down there with more of an, uh, an older ETC mindset, and so did we. And we found it very difficult versus having the all around. Uh, like, for instance, I was actually talked out of running... War convocation to run the list. I ended up running, um, and it ended up being like, well, I really wish I were ran war convocation because this list is really bad in this particular <laughs> setup. So it's like a good, <laughs> right. it's a good etc list, and like that was the whole thing. It was like, oh man, this is run this list. It's you know, it's an etc list. It'll do really well. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It will. Let's do it. And then I went down and I went, oh, I need to summon stuff for this list to work but i'm already bringing 16 kill points and i can't afford to summon anything <laughs> and i can't really do this or that and i was like man i wish i brought you know i, I haven't i haven't sat down since the new nightbook book came out and went man i really wish i was running Adlands." but i'll tell you what after round three or after round four i was just like i wish i was running Adlands." in like all of my games as if i was running Adlands, my knights would be survivable I would I would be much more comfortable in all of my games. Yeah. Do you feel,
0: in general, sort of knights are being left by the wayside, um, or
2: the meta is definitely sh- the meta is definitely pack. shifting. No, um, well it's ITC in general. Um, you know the 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 changes that hurt knights uh, were from ITC. Now knights are still good. But I definitely, uh, knight the, the meta is definitely shifting away from knights, especially because of the uh, popularity of Wolfstar and now Wolfenstar. At the end of the day, your Imperial Knights, your, your only answer is rolling a six. Now, when, when you do it, it's, it blows open a game. But when you don't do it, you get rocked. Yeah. So, so I think overall, there's there's stronger lists. And with, with knights kind of, I, I was actually talking about this, with knights kind of, falling a little bit more by the wayside I, you know i don't expect them to do that well at nova stuff like that i actually think you'll see centurions come back because centurions are going to play into this meta pretty well Cent stars
1: yeah i agree especially with the new marine powers if you can get re-rolling mm-hmm. saves on a, a bunch of centurions that's really annoying yep.
2: Reroll saves uh null zone um null zone that wolf star you bring you can just bring the White Scars Librarian with the ignores cover, I believe it's White Scars. So yeah. you just yeah. flat have ignores cover. So it's like okay, you you can really do a lot to these units, and then Tal's seen an upsurge in play, um, and well, Grav does really well against Tal. Tal does pretty well against Knights. You know, it, it just it's just the way that it, it's fluctuating. It's nice to see because you know it, it's changing things up.
0: Right, uh, and that's always been the case. It's been sort of like the the shifting tides, as as uh, you know, grav was grav was awesome, and then it was entirely useless when you saw adamantium lance become a, yep. a thing, um, utterly utterly useless. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, as 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 it is sliding back, um, a bit more of a bit more of a use for it now. Especially I think it's one said, of things that makes 40k, so much
1: fun is that it's always evolving and changing, and
0: it's
2: not a great game. Yeah, it's not like that's one of the biggest problems with War Machine, for instance. Um, I was playing a War Machine fairly heavily, uh, for a while there. Now, they did just get the new edition, I don't know what that does, but hmm. one of the biggest problems I had with War Machine was it was like Crex was always a top army, Legion of Everblade was always a top army, and when you had those top armies. If you were doing well in Seamrolls, you can expect to see one of like three Warcasters. You know, and it was it was very very straightforward. And that was like the entirety of the edition, really. So it was like it was that very it was it felt very much like fifth edition forty K where it was like gray knights are the top.
0: That's it. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you sort of saw the same subtlety in combos, which is ironic because the game's all about combos, but I didn't. Th- I don't think you saw um, I don't think you saw things come out in War Machine that unintentionally shifted meta the way that they, it does in mm-hmm. 40k um, mm-hmm. because um, it feels like, because War Machine's so intentionally based around um, combinations it's a lot more balanced in what you can do, mm-hmm. it's a lot more controlled in what those combinations are whereas when something comes out like the angels of death book for example um and you've got ridiculous things like electro displacement or shifting worldscape in there uh, and you know uh, and at least another half a dozen powers which are only just slightly less good than those two horrible broken things uh, in there <coughs> it completely moves the landscape it shifts. The landscape, there you go. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, no yeah, I think uh, I think War Machine, uh, for instance, as a game puts a little bit more emphasis on generalship versus list building, mm-hmm. whereas 40k puts a little bit more emphasis on list building versus generalship. Now, you still need to be a good player in order to win the events, but you know you can come out with with that unbelievable. For instance, I came out when me and Justin came out with a Vesta Star. I played Ben Moly. Uh, and Ben Moley, is—he's a freak when it comes to playing 40k. Mm. He's just that good. But I won almost solely on because he I mean he made moves that were like genius moves and like it should have sealed him the game. But I just I was so far ahead because of strength of less. He couldn't and do I feel anything. Like,
0: exactly. Yeah.
2: I feel like 40k where 40k you know puts a little bit more emphasis on list building than player. And War Machine is the opposite, so I, I feel like that's how those two. One of the most
0: interesting things I always found about War Machine was the side table uh, aspect of it. Yeah. The, the sideboard, um, so and it kind of mitigated the whole list building aspect of it as well. Well, mm-hmm. not like the, the whole matchup aspect, the rock paper scissors of it as well. Because if you know you're going into something um, with a terrible, terrible, terrible matchup, you can at least mitigate it. Um, You can have a list tailored to just that one matchup. Yeah, Um, and I always thought that would be really interesting to do in a 40k sense, maybe around about two years ago when it seemed really rock, paper, scissors. Um,
2: Yeah, Uh, I would say that would have been a really strong thing and you would have seen stuff like that develop for 6th edition. Hmm. Just like you saw the the Nova packet, which I feel is really outdated right now, develop for the 6th edition meta where it was just all Death Stars all day, MSU couldn't compete. Hmm. So they made a packet so that MSU could, and then made MSU too good, and now we're back to Death Stars. But. Hmm.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting. My only complaint is when tournaments nerf certain things, then something else becomes more powerful, like not being able to
2: mm-hmm.
1: start combat. Now you can look out, sir, sixes on the stomps. It just makes those Death Stars more powerful, in my opinion. Yep. So
2: That's, that's a, exactly but, it. That's, it's, yeah. It's kind of a, yeah. yeah. People do a lot of overarching uh, nerfs, and it ends up inadvertently buffing one way or the other. Mm.
0: Um, well, there's, there's, there's things that are in the game that are so strong in so many different areas at the same time that um, if you pull, like, knights, for example, were a pretty big outlying list Um they came out it was a really extreme list um and it did really well at the time um based on what you were seeing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and to pull them back now only allows what it was accounted to which is the Death Star anyway to you know r- resurge and not not be as afraid as it was once Um <clears throat> and I feel like I mean, you can boil it down to a lot of a lot of people, you know, that probably don't know what they're talking about, end up saying, "Well, you know, can we go back to CAD? Can we go back to this? Can we go back to single, single formation, single source?" And all you're going to do is you're going to take the game back to being, well, Eldar are the best anyway. So, uh, yeah. if if you do that, everyone's just going to be playing Eldar. So, like you said, if you change the, if you shift the goalposts, all you do is you bring something else to the top. And it's not like you're bringing something new and exciting to the top by changing it. You're like, you're bringing the same things that are already good to the top. You know, at the moment, it's these horrible marine Death Stars that are basically untouchable and can reach out and kill you anywhere on the table.
2: <clears throat> that unit that's so unfeasible to even think about, mm. like the GWFAQ says, but yeah.
0: It's in every single tournament across the top tables everywhere. So
2: it's, it's how you play Codex Space Marines, <laughs> and and
0: <laughs> and even and even when they're trying to say, oh well, you lose this, you know, well, yeah, you lose your chapter tactics, even if you have this and it. They don't give a shit about their chapter tactics. That's not what they're, you know, that's not what they're here for. Mm-hmm. It's not why they're good. So I, you know, it's still not still not going to help. Uh, I don't think. Um, and it'd be interesting, I'm really interested to see what they do um, going into either the full FAQ and errata, and whether they try and do a major overhaul in the balance of the game or if they just let it all rock and wait until next summer and we get 8th edition and things are drastically changed as well. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems to be um, an interesting time because it's certainly not 5th edition where everyone's running the same stuff. Um, but it does seem to be very samey at the moment, and it kind of has stagnated a little bit um, in terms of people really um, reducing. People really um, reducing. Oh, I can hear oh, myself. I can hear myself. Hey, can you guys hear me now? I lost you for a second. Hello. Hello. Yeah. yeah can, can you guys I hear me? I can hear myself. Can I'm, myself. Echoing. I'm, I'm echoing. Echoing. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, here. Myself. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah Tony, uh, we can, uh, yeah, Tony, we're can. we getting a uh, reverb. Getting a yeah, reverb. your speakers yeah, are, feedback.
0: are Hello. Hello? Yeah, now I can't hear myself. Wonderful. Okay, Perfect. I'll just make a note okay. of the time on that, so that's not a problem. Okay. <clears throat> Completely threw myself off.
1: There. Yeah. <laughs> when would you guys lose me? I was talking about Battle Brothers.
2: Oh, we didn't hear any of that. We didn't hear any of that. <laughs>
0: I'll oh, edit it in. So let's go. Give me your, give me yeah. your Battle it Brothers soliloquy. I've been myself for five minutes now. All I right. think
2: so. Let's
1: go. Give it to. I'm just saying that uh, I'm curious how the game would change if you dropped Battle Brothers, mm. and whether or not it would just make Eldar and Tau more powerful, like you were saying, or if it could break up these Death Stars a little bit.
2: You know what? I mean, at the end of the day, if you got rid of it, uh, I do believe Eldar and Tau because they they are, they are arguably. It, um the two best codexes as just a flat codex.
0: <laughs> and Demons and would still
2: be there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, Demons. But um, overall, I mean, they're just, they're not even close on how much better, like Space Marines is a good codex. It's not even close how much better as just like a single standalone codex. Tau is versus, you know, Space Marines mm. or... God, you don't even want to get into any like chaos space bridge or anything. And mm-hmm. then Eldar, above above all of that, mm. you know, right. it's just it's it's uh, it's kind of insane. Do, I, do I, I like looking at about...
0: how um, Magic the Gathering deal with things, um, and if you look at how like their ban lists and stuff work, if they see something, it doesn't even need to be necessarily overpowered, but if they or brokenly overpowered, if they see something in every single deck, like. Mm-hmm. Like eight out of First ten pod. decks, um, they'll they'll just ban it. Um, yeah, because clearly, uh, but it's on top it's of that, everything else.
2: Um, on top of that, they have a rotating ban, so it's like they could come back and and when they ban it and they make something else too good, they might fix that and unban that, mm. or they might leave that and unban this because it, it ends up being an inadvertent counter. I I, like I would that.
0: like to see Games Workshop admit they fucked up.
1: Now. And then. <laughs> That's one of the benefits of having a company that's so involved and understands the competitive scene.
0: Mm. And I think Games Workshop seems to be heading in
1: the direction they actually care, right, with these new draft FAQs, and they're trying to reach out a little bit, which I think is a
2: really good step. And the General's um, Handbook
0: and stuff in in Yeah, Sigma I was just going to say well. the
2: Age of Sigmar's General Handbook. It has actually really good tournament rules in it. Um, you know, the, And, and they, they even get rid of some of their silly stuff. They're like, for tournaments, just measure base to base and don't put your models on other people's nicely based stuff. Uh, right. things like that. Um, that's really nice, but it's, it's actually funny cause I'm sitting here and we're talking and I, I'm torn between either starting, I was torn between starting a war convocation army or playing flames of war. And I'm actually in the process of putting together an American army for flames of war. And the reason I'm looking at it is because they actually put even uh privateer press to shame with how much the company supports our competitive scene. Hmm. And, it's- um, you know, and it's one of those things. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what rides with 40K with the FAQs to kind of go from there because I don't want to build an army to have it FAQ'd out of existence. Mm. Right. And uh, that's, wouldn't well, be and the that's first one time. of the
0: problems with, with the hobby. I mean, uh, even if you're just bare minimum three colors and you're buying all your shit from China, it's still a big investment of mm-hmm. money and time, even at that rate, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone that, buys everything legit and wants to get painted to a decent standard, you know, putting, maybe if you've got an airbrush, four months into an 1850 list to have it be completely irrelevant when, you know, a new release comes out, as we saw many times happen um, over the last two years with the the schedule, the release schedule. Yep. It's got to put a lot of people off, you know, making that investment of time.
2: Um, You know, I mean ovesa star just doesn't exist anymore because they just changed one word yeah Yeah. uh stuff like that you know they and and they do that and you know it's the nature of the game but at the same time i'm like you know it's it's what do you really want to invest the money and that's exactly it like these models are much more of a showpiece than even other competitive board (laughs) games Mm. it's like well you know i can invest the money in getting the army and then getting it painted and then playing the game or I could go play a game that's supported, and at the end of the day, I still get to play at all the same events and still hang out with all the same people.
1: Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. I mean, how, as, as, a, as, a, as a competitive player yourself, uh, Tony, how, how have you found um, you know collecting armies and, and and the changing meta game and uh, and just dealing with that as a as a as a working man? I'm sure. Um, it's. I don't know.
1: I don't really... I've been playing Eldar for a
0: long time. I've
1: played the game for a long time, for 11 or 12 years now. So I've got a lot of stuff built up, and it kind of rotates what's going to be good and what's bad. Like I was playing Horde Orcs for a long time, and that was a lot of fun. But then 6th edition completely killed that. When you're pulling all of your models from the front of the units, you, yep. it's really hard to survive with Horde Orcs.
2: Yeah, but then you now you're not bit, getting there.
1: They put something out like Green Tide that at least makes it viable again, so... It's much more frustrating than something like Magic, where you can just you buy a car that is it's not allowed anymore. If they ban it, like you guys are saying, mm. you're out money, and that sucks. But when you're putting so much time into the models, I can see why people get frustrated. For me, it hasn't been too much of an issue. Fortunately, I play Eldar, who has always been strong in some respects.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna know. say. Fortunately, plays he plays, you know, arguably the best competitive Codex ever because there always right. there's always even, at least even one. Even then,
0: there. I mean, um, how many? Uh how many how many heavy weapons have you had to pull off and oh, swap yeah. around and like before we all discovered magnets like it was an
1: right. like, absolute nightmare Got pulling life, off arms and shit some falcons from way back yeah, in the day yeah, had yeah, yeah. cannons on them and then they were terrible for a while and then i had to find all these scatter lasers it's yeah it's just part of it
2: had yeah had to bust out you know 25 wave serpents uh, or you know now it's like you know poor guardians they never leave the shelves Right, right. So, it's it's kind of frustrating. Have, you kind of having to put sound. a scatter laser on every one of your bikes. <laughs> exactly. You
1: buy the exactly. new ones, clearly. That's what you do. Well, I just ripped them off all the wave serpents I don't need anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that works as well. <laughs> uh, so, what's next for you, uh, Tony? So, I'm not going to make it to Nova this
1: year, unfortunately. I'm considering going to WarGamesCon in a few weeks. Um... Later on this year, there's a couple Midwest local ones. There's a Michigan GT and a Renegade GT in Minnesota, I believe. Next big one will be Adepticon
0: in March. Uh, and what stuff are you running at the moment? Or are you running the the uh, the spiders and riptides inside of the
1: list? That was the first time I played that list in a tournament. I've been tweaking that a little bit, and I think it works really well. It takes advantage of two of the best formations right now with mm-hmm. the riptide wing and aspect host. Um, I've run the Scathach Wraith Knight in there as well, so it's it's pretty powerful. I'm I'm a fan of it. I just got to think how I'm going to beat these Death Stars. That's one thing that I struggle with with this list. I just don't have a ton of answers. You know, my best hope is Stomps with the Wraith Knight, but one you know, Wraith Knight, yeah. One Wraith Knight. You get one round of
0: Stomps. It's just not enough before it dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And with uh, with Wolfen Stars around now as well, it doesn't even. You know, it's, you, you're just trading basically, aren't you?
1: Um, exactly exactly so I'm the strategy is always to get in there do what damage you can with the Wraith Knight and play to the mission with everything else so I can uh, do it but it's not easy otherwise maybe I'll just go and switch and play that list instead some kind of Wolf Star list (laughs) but for the moment I'm sticking with the Eldar
0: okay alright well thank you very much for your time really appreciate it Um, and congratulations again to you and everyone else on Team Happy. Are uh, you gonna be going for the, going for three P next year? Oh of course. We'll be back. Definitely well. Good luck. And uh, yeah, look to look to hear from you soon, hopefully.
1: Great. Thanks guys. Cheers, thank you very, very much. Good one. Talk to you later.
0: So that was our ATC episode. Thank you very much to Tony for speaking to us and, of course, to Jesse for making that long drive all the way down to a tournament so he could regale us with tales of uh, how badly he did, um, which is always entertaining. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. We love you always. As I said earlier in the intro, it is ETC time very, very soon this coming weekend. um, And most of the podcast crew are out there right now repping Team Wales. Hopefully, uh, Wi-Fi and technology permitting, uh, I'm going to be receiving uh, bite-sized audio on a regular basis from Mike. And I'll be able to put that out as sort of like a daily update on the guy's... uh, Uh, travails out there in Greece uh, so you can hear all their tales of hangovers and sunstroke uh, out there at the ETC and hopefully Mike has no tales of dysentery uh, and uh, chronic diarrhoea to keep you all disgusted by Um, but, yeah, we'll have some ETC coverage coming up as well. And as I said uh, at the start as well, if you want to get in touch and let us know about events, please do. I really want to do a lot more with the Facebook page. We want to let people know about events that are coming up and all that good stuff and start events listings uh, and really help people get involved in the competitive scene um, on a wider basis. And also, if you would like to speak to us uh, um, about your event and you're maybe from a country that doesn't get a lot of um, the spotlight um then please do get in touch with us, hit us up, messages. We always try and reply to our messages on the Facebook page. It's AOC Podcast, or just search Allies of Convenience. We should come up. Uh, after the ETC, I'm sure we'll have lots of interviews uh, with uh, some of the teams uh, from different countries, uh, as we did last year. Uh, it probably won't take us long to get all the footage out uh, as long as it did last year. Uh, but I do intend to maintain that representation of countries outside of just the UK and America as well, because some of the best players in the world uh, are from countries like Poland uh, and Germany and Sweden, of course. Um, so we'll be, be talking to, to a lot more of you, hopefully, in the future. Uh, so that was this episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, and please leave us a positive review because it always helps us get there uh, and and reach some more. Uh, more listeners the higher we come up in the 40k search uh, parameters slash whatever you want to call it Uh, the metric however they measure it it's all based on positive reviews so if you can leave us a nice five-star review that would be wonderful if you enjoy the podcast Uh, we'll be back real soon so take care